Hello there, this is the Psychology Report, and it's good to have you with me again today. The other day I um, gave an expose in the area of the pathway or the road to juvenile delinquency, violence, and gang behavior. And we showed the uh, five stages in which the child goes through from early years of age two three, where the beginning of criminal behavior starts, all the way up into the ages of 16 or 70, where the gang behavior really takes over. And there's this whole transition through the community, through the home, through the school, and very little touches these kids because they have come from homes that are disintegrated. Primarily the absence of a father, the weakness or the inadequacy of the mother, and the power and the strength of the community gang or the neighborhood gang or the friends of the neighborhood who basically take over the life of that kid and brings him into the boundaries and into the protection and into the care and into the network of the gang. It's a process that takes quite a few years and if one doesn't see it and notice it and intercede, it will just take place. And there are these kids that are highly, highly vulnerable to becoming gang members and becoming a lost member of our society. Now, today what I'd like to do is to just kind of look at the impact of the violent crime in our community and, and some of the uh, statistics of where we are in our crime within our country, but then look more basically as to what are some of the things that can be done, need to be done, should be done, must be done, if we're going to save these kids, and we're going to have any impact on their life. In New York City uh, school system, uh, the uh, superintendent several years back made this statement. We are in a situation now where 12,000 of our 60,000 kindergartners have mothers who are still in their teenage years and where 40% of our students come from single-parent households. Now that's the indictment. There is the problem. We have children giving birth and raising children. We have single mothers who have no support or very little support raising some very tough kids. Not usually one, but usually two, three, four and it's overwhelming for her. Usually has no husband, no father to these kids, no grandparents, no grandfather that steps into the gap, no uncles. Basically, she's alone, and she's at the mercy of the welfare system, the mercy of the social services of, of her community, and does the best she can. And at the best, that's not very much, unfortunately. Also, in the city of New York, and it's going right across our country, 50% illegitimacy rate among our youth. 50%. Now, in case you don't know what illegitimacy means, because we've changed our words, we won't, sometimes we wear words we don't want to use anymore, but that's a child being pregnant and raising a child without the benefit of marriage without the benefit of a husband even, without the benefit of a network of support, 
A child is illegitimate when that child has no marriage surrounding and protecting and giving care to that particular child upon birth. And that child is at risk. That child is at risk for violent behavior and eventually gang membership. British studies as well as American studies show that about 5% of all the criminals account for 50% of the crime convictions, criminal convictions. So we're not talking about a large group of kids necessarily, but it's a substantial group of kids and it's a powerful group of kids. 5% of all criminals, it's just the criminals now, account for 50% of the criminal convictions. So it's concentrated in a group of kids that just at some point seem to be helpless and hopeless. And uh, whatever is done, we have very little power to bring them under the bushel or under the protection of a family unit and of a caring extended family. So violence is a tough one. It's pervasive and it certainly breeds or is born within the context of birth into a home that is not together, that is not unified, that is not uh, put together around the context of a marriage, in the context of two parents, in the context of two competent uh, parents, and in neighborhoods that are questionable at most. So, when you look at this issue of criminality, what's the answer to this? I mean, what in the world can be done, you know, as an answer to this? You know, there are some very generalized answers. But they are powerful and they are the right answers. But I tell you, they're tough to bring about because you just don't snap your fingers and get these kind of answers. The government cannot do it. The answer to these kids and violence is not the government. It's got to be within the context of a family home. The government may play a role a little bit in supporting a mother that's trying to raise her kids, but even that, the government has weakness. We can't just give money to mothers who are inadequate and who are just spending the money on their own addictions of various kinds. We've got to give our money to mothers who are competent and who prove their competency and support them and help them. That's one. Okay, here's some of the issues that obviously we have to revisit and rethink and make it very much part of our culture and encourage it. Marriage is number one. Marriage. Children who are born within the context of a marriage have less crime than children who are born outside of the context of of a marriage. Our government can only create incentives for people to be married. That is to give tax incentives and to give certain kind of benefits to parents who are raising their children in the context of marriage. When we lived in Canada, we got a check every month from the government to be used for the building up of our children there for their education and for their welfare and for their enrichment and their stimulation. So the government helped us and we use that to buy books and buy records and buy various kinds of things for our children to learn from 
and to become stronger and to become more educated and to have that sense of education, the government helped us. And our government does that, but we don't put conditions on it. We don't put structures on it. We don't put boundaries on it. We need to rethink that. But we have to do what we can to encourage marriage, number one. Number two, parents must love and nurture their children, not only physically, but morally and spiritually. In other words, parents have to be taught. Parents have to be encouraged. Parents have to be provided information and resources so that they know how to become an effective parent. They know how to raise their children and nurture and, and nurture the child, both physically and socially and morally and spiritually. We have to provide those kind of resources. Television programs. I do a television program every other Saturday morning at 10 o'clock on the Internet on Teach Me to Parent. And uh, this is an opportunity for parents to sit around on television, sit around the uh, computer, and learn some basic skills of parenting. We need to do all kinds of things like that to give parents the resources and give parents the skills of being parents and being effective parents. Number three, here's the third issue. Children must be taught how to relate to other kids with empathy. Empathy is a critical social intelligence skill and trait. To learn how to empathize, learn how to sympathize, learn how to feel as other people feel. To learn how to relate to other people in a, in a kind of a feeling way, in a caring kind of way. If kids don't care for anybody else, they'll treat them as they wish. It's only when children learn how to be empathetic and learn how to care for each other will they be thoughtful and respectful of each other. So empathy is a critical skill that's got to be taught all through our schools, right from the very beginning. So kids can get the sense of how other kids feel and how other people feel when you treat them in a certain way or you mistreat them in a certain way. And then lastly, number four, um, we have to look at our neighborhoods. We have to look at our communities. They have to have strong communities, strong neighborhoods, neighborhoods that kind of pull together and we look after each other. There's kind of a neighborhood watch and there's kind of a neighborhood gathering and a coming together so that a child is not only watched over by his own parents, but he's watched over by the parents in the neighborhood. Neighborhood watches, neighborhood conclaves, neighborhood togetherness is really what is also needed. Kids need to be raised by those around them as well as those that are within their own families. Somebody has said it takes a garden. But, uh, you know, I think it does have to say neighborhoods can be helpful to a single mother. Neighbors can be helpful to a single mother. Good families in the area can be helpful to a single mother. Kind of like an adoption process that takes place. But the other one that I mentioned the other day, and which I will mention again, and there's been some research on this, where you take a home, you put three to six children in there, and you put a parent in there to raise those kids. Now, they're not foster parents, and they're not adopted parents, these parents are, it's a job. They're paid for that. 
and but they are mother and father raising these three to four to five six kids in a home and, and I call them master homes master family homes because they are raised by a marital family a marital couple now what we have often is we have these kind of group homes we put four or five six kids in a home and then for eight hours, we take one person who runs the shift and takes care of them. Might be a high, it might be a, a college senior, might be somebody who just graduated from college. Uh, then we come into another shift in the afternoon and early evening. Comes another person who maybe has another job or is now f uh, filling in or whatever, but does takes a shift. And um, then we have a night. We have another shift. It might be another person who might be trying to make it in life and. Uh, coming out of college or an older person who just needs another job. We have three individuals coming into that and out of that home caring for these kids in the home, these six kids, none of which are their presumed parent or play a parent role to them. They only play a kind of a caretaker role, you know, to them. Somebody who just sees that they are uh, fed and clothed and get to school and don't kill each other. <laughs> Uh, doesn't work it's not good we need these master homes where there is a couple that takes kids in and raises them uh, until they become of age and um, they act like and they work like and they live like a family and that gives that context of what a marriage is and what a husband is and what a wife is and uh, what a mother is and what a father is. And it gives that context. And until we do that, we're in deep trouble with these kids. And they'll continue to be living a life of crime, unfortunately. So we have to kind of rethink what we do. The government's got to rethink its role. And um, churches have to think, what can they do? answer this question and communities at large need to answer this question with mayors of cities and so on but we got to tackle it and if we don't tackle it it's just going to permeate our total community and uh, just prevail throughout in a very destructive and unhealthy way and our gang behavior just gets larger the number of gangs get many more and larger and more violent so unfortunately it's a sad story but it's it's a story that we all live and it's a story we all live with in our communities and the larger the community the more we live with this and um, we need to we need to be very serious and grapple with it anyway nice to have you with me today on psychology report and um, I do give you this invitation check with me on centralvalleytalk.com centralvalleytalk.com go to your computer and type that in centralvalleytalk.com 10 o'clock Saturday morning Pacific Standard Time and pick up my hour program on Dr. Teach Me to Parent and uh, I'd love to have you join me and we're going to this week we're going to talk about families that are functional and dysfunctional but join me on Saturday morning. That would be a great opportunity for you, and it would be a pleasure for me to have you as part of the audience. Go to my website, booksbyhedberg.com.
That's where the book is, Dr. Teach Me to Parent. Pick it up, start using it, start living by it, start raising your kids by it. Okay? Nice to have you with me. Bye-bye.